Our first speaker is Landon Springer, and he's from Kansas City, the metro area there. Uh, Kansas, he is a part of our Monday Night Seals study, which we do on Zoom. And he and Larry and Jeremy are also doing a podcast that uh, we are launching. And uh, Jason and Greg are helping with that. And so give it up for Landon. <laughs> it's so fun having somebody here in person, you know, um, from our Zoom. And Landon, I, I, I'm seriously going to give you 20 minutes. And uh, there you go. Thank you. You're doing Hi, everybody. So I've met a lot of you already. I'd love to meet everybody uh, who I haven't already met. Um, we'll have some time after, I think, to do that. Um, I'm overwhelmed uh, by everything, by the hospitality. Uh, Larry came all the way out to Denver to pick me up late last night. And uh, after driving, I don't know how much you, you drove for the, the retreat, but I, I'm sure it comes as a shock to no one, but he, is, uh, he and Vicki both um, are amazing uh, at hospitality and making me feel welcome. So, And I've seen uh, the same from everybody else, so it's been great. Um, Wow. I think it's amazing that, uh, well, it's overwhelming that you would put a microphone in front of, in front of me and have me speak. Uh, but I'm honored and, and humbled by that. So thank you very much for having me. Okay, so the Snap Talk that I would like to share about is something that um, spoke to me a lot, and maybe it'll speak to you, um, or maybe not, but we'll see. So uh, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, awesome. Um, but what I'd like to share about is uh, the verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 talks about how God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And this is a little bit of an extension from last week for, from your overcoming talk. Um, but I, I've, I've personally struggled a little bit with feeling intimidated in new environments. I get butterflies in my stomach if I'm speaking in front of people. Um, so bear with me. This seems like a very gracious environment, so thank you for that. Um, but I, I heard something really interesting that mirrors this about how the brain works, and I wanted to share that with you, um, because I think, that, I think that when we discover things about scientific truths about the body and about how it works, it's not in conflict with the Creator. I think we've done this weird thing where we've separated the creator from his creation to where God's over here and science is over here. But I don't think, I don't, I don't think that's the way it works. So maybe this will speak to you as well. Uh, so God doesn't give us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So the fear response, uh, who, who has heard of fight or flight? You guys know fight or flight? There's also, I guess they're trying to add to that list, there's also fawn and freeze, but I don't know anything about those, so we'll stick with fight or flight. But if, you, if, if something happens that stresses you out, your body tends to prepare for action, either to run away or to, or to fight. Um, and there are a couple of hormones that get released, adrenaline, cortisol, and it, it prepares you to act. And they're really important, but they're really hard on your body. And they tend to they tend to shut down everything that, you, that isn't essential for one of those two things, running or fighting. So it, it actually shuts down digestion, so you, you don't process food. You don't store, you don't store it up um, because your body goes, nope, that's, that's not that important. You don't really need that right now because it's life or death. You don't need to be dealing with that meal right now. Um, another thing it does is it, it causes your heart to pump really hard, 
try to get oxygen into your lungs and you, to get ready. Um, it also harms reproduction because you're not really worried about the continuation of, of your family if, if you got to deal with the immediate threat, right? Um, so I always believe that stress is really bad for you, uh, that it, it's, it's really hard on your health, which it's true. If, if you stay in a prolonged period of stress, it is really hard on your body. Um, it can lead to heart disease and ultimately shorten, shorten your life. But it doesn't have to be that way because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So now let's look at power, love, and a sound mind. So there's also another system in your body called the approach system that uses different hormones, serotonin and dopamine. And who here has heard of those? We tend to, I mean, Snapchat's actually a really good example of that. Uh, we, if we're not careful, that reward system can get hijacked for things that aren't actually good for us. But I believe that the creator created us with that to reinforce the things that he wants for us. So the growth response is actually your body, your, your body rising to the challenge. And so um, we'll go through a couple examples of this. But a, say a professional athlete, they get really nervous right before a big performance. Their body goes into, goes in, prepares to act. Um, but if they get really stressed out, fight or flight doesn't help you. But if you lean into it, you can grow. And so this idea of overcoming, I think a lot of times we face these challenges in our lives that intimidate us and we feel like, well, there's no way God could use me in that, in that way or there's no way that this situation is going to get resolved or there's no way this relationship is going to get restored. And we start to shrink back in fear. But he gives us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I, I believe that the world today thrives on, thrives on fear. If, you, if you're plugged into the news, if you, if you watch it as much as I used to, uh, you'll get freaked out all the time. And I don't think that's the state that he wants us to be in, to be worried about what's happening in Washington, worried about what's happening everywhere. That's not, that's not what he had in mind for the church and for us to be constantly on guard, constantly in fight or flight. It'll shorten our lives if, we're not, if we let it, but I don't think we should let it. You agree? Okay, so a couple of examples. If you're like me, I, I love examples, so I'm going to go through a couple. So there was a, there was a study, uh, there's a Harvard study where they conducted uh, an interview, and half of the people, and they, I don't know if they knew they were in, I don't think they knew they were in a study, which is, is what it is. But so half of the people they told, if you get too stressed out, because this is a, an intimidating environment, you're going you're gonna to get nervous, you're going to, it's going to affect your performance. You're not. You're going to bomb the interview if you get stressed out. So do your best not to get stressed out. The other half, they said, that is actually supposed to happen. You get you get butterflies, and when that happens, that's just your body getting ready for what's about to happen, and that's a really good thing. So lean into it, and you'll perform better than you would otherwise. And then once it's over, you can go back to a state of rest. You can you can the 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 immediate challenge is over. You can go back to your baseline. And guess what happened? So the first half bombed the interview because they believed that that was going to happen. So they got super nervous. And I mean, I, I bet we've all experienced that at some point in time. Um, public speaking actually intimidates me. And that's like I'm feeling it right now. I'm feeling the, the adrenaline and the cortisol. And, and it's, it's, it's actually kind of fun. I, I, I actually kind of love this. 
I love that God can work through me anyway, despite the nervousness and despite the perceived inadequacy. God can still work through it, and I love that. Um, so the, but the other half did amazing. <laughs> they, they did great in the interview. And so what they realized was that they had been teaching people all along that stress is bad for you. It will hurt you. It will shorten your life. It will be hard on your heart, hard on your gut, hard on everything. But it turns out that what you believe about it, believe about the challenge, this challenge is too big for me. This challenge, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be good at this. I'm going to fail. If you believe that, your body will make it true. But if you believe that God gives you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, that can also become true. Okay, so another example, um, David and Saul. Um, I'm sure everyone in this room has heard of David and Saul. Um, but Goliath was taunting them for 40 days and 40 nights. And you think that Saul, their, 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 uh, their king, he, was, he stood tall, he was strong. They, some historians think he was 6'3", just really strong, like a warrior. He went and hid in the castle for 40 days and 40 nights while this, while this giant just taunted him. And then this little shepherd boy comes along and goes, I know that the source of the strength isn't me. And he just, he takes care of business. That's amazing to me that the person who you would think had all the credentials, all the, everything you'd need to be able to dispatch that, that threat, he was the one who hid because he thought he had to do it on his own strength. But the little shepherd boy, who he had already, he had already seen God work through him to protect the flock multiple times. And he's like, I think he can do it again. And I think he can do it through me. And it, think about that. Out of all the people, all the, the whole army, the leader of the army, not a single one of them was willing to go out and, and face Goliath. It took a shepherd boy to go do it. Not because he was strong and powerful, but because he knew who he was serving. He knew who the Lord was and his strength. Right? He knew the source. Okay, another example. Um, believe it or not, I've started some weight training, which is really intimidates me. Um, the first time I tried it, this is with my uh, longtime friend Nick. This is going to be recorded. I might send this to him after. Um, <laughs> we started at like 80 pounds because we're like, we got to start small. We're going to hurt ourselves. And we're going to just work our way up. But imagine if we had tried to just lift 200 pounds day one. We would have hurt ourselves. We would have we would have failed, and we would have probably never tried it again. And I believe that that is what our Heavenly Father does for us as well. He says, I know what you're currently capable of and what you can handle, and I know what would cause you to grow, and I know what would be way too much for you. And I trust, I trust him now with that. Well, I'm learning to trust him with that. The evidence is that <laughs> I'm here holding a microphone. Uh, but... If we, let me say this differently. Imagine if you're teaching somebody how to do something, a little kid. You, you wouldn't do that to them. You wouldn't give them 200 pounds day one. You'd give them a, what they could handle, get a little confidence, and do a little bit more than that. And then you grow. And that, that's the growth response kicks in. The way that God designed our bodies to work, serotonin and dopamine kicks in. Your muscles get stronger. You build a pathway in your body to continue doing that particular action again and again. But if, if you're given something you can't handle, you shrink back, you get afraid, and you, you shrink, right? Okay, another example, um, 
I'm terrified of, of heights. Anyone here terrified of heights? Uh, so I thought, you know what? I want to put this into practice. And I got a membership at a rock climbing gym <laughs> and started, started climbing. Um, because it, it terrified me, but the fact that it terrified me also made me feel alive because I wasn't going to shrink back. I wasn't going to let that thing that I really, there was something in me that wanted to do it. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not going to go free solo. I'm not going to do any of that. Like, I think the fear response can be good in certain situations. But if there's something that intimidates you in particular, I believe there's something about that that, that you're wired for, that God has for you. So if I'm intimidated by public speaking, maybe public speaking is exactly what I need to do. Like, why is that the thing in particular that's, that gets to me, you know? So, so I, started, I started rock climbing. And one thing that I really love about rock climbing is you can tell where your current level is and you can tell what would be too easy for you and too hard for you. And you can kind of, you can push yourself just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I believe that overcoming is like that that we'd love to just snap our fingers and get to the promised land and get over the problem. But, but real growth happens usually, let's say usually, incrementally, bit by bit. You're faithful day in and day out. You start lifting at 80 pounds and then go to 82 pounds and then go to 85 pounds. You know what I mean? And yet we, we, we want that end result and we get frustrated if we don't get there on the timeline that we expected to get there. But those little things that we do again and again and again and again build up over time. And over the course of a lifetime, it can change a ton of things. Like imagine what could change if we're faithful just a little bit at a time, day in and day out. Um, last example I want to give. The butterfly feeling, uh, which used to really freak me out. And then I heard um, uh, there's a guy named Rob Bell, if anyone's heard of him. Um, he has a podcast I really like. And he, he basically said, if you're not consistently feeling butterflies in your stomach, you're shying away from the things that you shouldn't be shying away from. That if you feel that feeling, that means you're right where you need to be, doing what you need to be doing, and you're growing. If you're not feeling that, that's, that's probably something to look at. So that totally reframed it for me. I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> when you're handing me the microphone, I'm like, I got butterflies. But wait, that's a good thing. Are you? Hey, it's a good thing, right? Because you're right where you need to be doing right what you need to be doing. Okay, all right. Anybody have any questions? If you're new, you can ask questions. You don't have to be a veteran here at Joy Lander. There's no protocol. We just use the mic. So A, creates relationship here, and B, the Zoomers can hear. I was just saying in advance, I'm not an expert in neurochemistry, so I may or may not have the answer. That's okay. Okay, good. So do you have any tips on how to make those butterflies go away? Just start to pray, maybe? Do you want them? You do? do you want them to go away? I don't think I want them to go away. <laughs> okay. Because I think it's, it's a just, reminder. Just embrace them. I think so. You lean into it. You go, okay. And then think, oh, this, yeah, is, this is good. I feel alive right this now. Is, I'm this alive. Is, I'm okay. right where I need to be. Cool. Now, I do think, really quick, if you're, if you're, really, if you're so nervous that you can't do the thing that... Yeah. You can't do that thing yet. Okay. I, get it, getting a little, just take a smaller step. Uh, in my in my experience, start with the really easy climb. That there was a <laughs> first time I climbed, there was a little three-year-old who climbed without a rope and did it in about ten seconds. 
And I was like, okay, if she can do that, then I should, I should, I think I can do it too. So I, so I went, instead of going for the like intermediate climb that my ego wanted me to go for, I did the same one as the three-year-old just to start there. And, and, it, and then that worked. So I, I don't know for sure, but I think that we can do that in a lot of areas. So. First a comment, then a question. Okay. So the fear subject, yeah. I dig it. Yeah. I had two quotes on my uh, office wall at one time, and uh, or they were actually small articles, but the first one was Michael Jordan on fear. And he believed that fear came from a lack of focus. And he would give the example when he's at the free throw line and everybody's just bonkers screaming. If he didn't take himself back to that place where he was in the gym, just shooting those free throws over and over and over, he didn't feel like he could do anything. So I love that. That's a great one. But um, my question for you would be, what was the switch? Was there a switch? Was it gradual? Was it something that you were becoming aware of and just go, hey, you know what? I want this to change. I don't want this to dictate the rest of my life. Or how did that play out? So what got me to want to rock climb and want to face the fears? Yeah. Was it incremental or was it just like, hey, you know what? Today is a new day and we're doing things differently. So I think that's a great question. I'm having to go back and think through this. So the thing that I remember really switching to, okay, I need to start doing this intentionally because I would find myself in situations that would intimidate me and then would just like in that moment decide whether to lean in or, or bail. Um, but I wasn't doing it intentionally. And so what got me to do it intentionally was actually, it's going to sound a little cliche, but it was a breakup where I was really surprised that I, th I, th I thought I did everything right. I thought that I, like, I thought I was a really good boyfriend. I thought, I, th I thought there's no way that this breakup would happen. Right. And afterward I realized, wait, so I was, I thought that if I did everything right, that life would be safe and the outcomes would be what I wanted, but I'm not guaranteed that. So if I'm not guaranteed that, then that means it's, it's not going to be safe. And if it's not going to be safe, then I might as well be doing things that, that bring life or that I enjoy or that make, make me feel alive, that help, help step toward who God designed me to be instead of, like, if I'm not guaranteed safety anyway, why not? What am I waiting for? Am I waiting for some moment where I'm just going to just be some superhero that never gets intimidated? Or, and I, something clicked where I was just like, I'm not guaranteed. So I might, I might as well go for it. That's a great question. Anybody else have questions? This is Dan. Hey, I have a corollary to your statement. I, I re, me and my wife went through a really difficult thing, what, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And I had to deal with some stuff. And actually, I got to the place where I, to put it harshly, it's like there's great freedom in knowing you're completely screwed no matter what you do. And so I learned it's like, well, I'm going to do what I see the Lord lead and it doesn't matter what. And I just need to do that and quit worrying about other people's opinions. <laughs> so because there was no hope in kind of where we were at at that time. So it's like, well, just going to do what I think is right and what the Lord's calling me to do. And that's it. <clears throat> Absolutely. That's a great point. 
Yeah, I think I think baked into that, I used to have this belief that if I if I went to church three times a week and paid my tithes and prayed and read my Bible, that God would just make everything turn out, you know. And then when things started happening, life started happening, I was like, wait, hold on, that's not that's not how it works. And I started believing that well, then maybe God's not actually w- with me, like because if He was with me, then things would work out, right? And it never occurred to me. Well, it occurred to me, but much later. He was actually with me all along, but in my head, I didn't give him, I thought that it would look different. I thought that him being with me would mean, would mean that I never fell down. But instead, him being with me means that when I fall down, he's right there to help me get back up. He's, he's helping guide the steps. He's not saying you're not going to fall down. You're going to skin your knee, but I'll show you how to be a little smarter about it next time, or I'll show you how to put a band-aid on it, or I'll show you how to get back up. And like that was a different relationship than things are going to just be perfect all the time. There was, there was an ability to take risks now because he's going to be there with you. And I thought that was really cool. What's that? One's a tightrope. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Al. Yeah. Look, that, 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 that is spot on. And it's actually it's amazing you, you say that and your journey. Thank you for sharing because... It's those tough times, it's those challenges when we grow. And, and it's like if we don't pick up the weights, we're not going to grow the muscles. If we're not going to, if we're not going to do something, we're not going to, you know, it's like climbing. As you said, the climbing, the fear is not going to go away. So it's sort of like, well, brother, that's spot on. That's, that's, thank you for sharing that because that's when we grow. And that just reminded me, oh, yeah, do you have a question? Yeah, please do. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, this is my first time here, but I just kind of thought of something while you were talking. Uh, the verses that came to mind in my head, I don't know exactly what they are, but um, <laughs> one is that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And then uh, I can't remember exactly what the other one is. That's just the nerves getting to me right now. Maybe it'll come back to me. But uh, my fiance is, he's going to go skydiving with his friends for their bachelor party, for his bachelor party. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like kind of all freaked out about it. He was talking about like the statistics and everything. And I was like, hey, it doesn't matter <laughs> what the person <laughs> chances, you know, what's going to happen and everything. It's all just God's will, you know? And that just makes me think that it's not this world that we're supposed to fear, but just knowing that it's all in his hand and that the only one that we really should fear is like his power <laughs> and how he has control over everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, my name is Delaney. I don't know if I said that. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah, that's really good. Like maybe, maybe if we were afraid of wasting what he's called us to or what he's made us capable of or what he's, we're more afraid of that than we're afraid of the, the thing that we have to overcome, you know? Um, Al, there was something, there was something you reminded me of one other thing. I think I had a hard time imagining God being good without things working out. And, and then when we was actually that, that breakup where I realized, hey, wait a second, that was you having my back. That was you being good. I thought you're only good if things work out. <laughs> But wait, no, no, you're so good that you won't let me go down a bad path here. And that totally, that totally switched things for me. 
Oh, Jeremy. Sorry. Hello, church. Uh, Landon, I am, I am honored to bring and initiate some of those chemicals into your system right now with my question. And on Monday night, uh, I had a prophetic vision of you bopping around your kitchen, and I saw a spouse that was joining you uh, as you run into each other and you were both making something. So I'm asking, have you? can you confirm that since you've been out in Colorado for 24 hours now, have you found that spouse yet? I have not found that spouse yet. <laughs> At least, at least the Lord has not made that clear to me if I have. So, <laughs> Becky has one. Hey, I came in a little bit late. I just wondered if you had uh, cited any of your sources um, on the material that you were giving. I would love to hear or read wherever you were reading on that, on the on the trauma response and all those kind of things. You have cited. I can cite it. I, I can get that to you. Um, I heard it from a TED talk um, that. Got it from the Harvard study, so I can I can send that to you and send a couple of scripture references too. In the chat or something, and I can look at that. That would be great. Thank you. Have you uh, wrestled between the difference of fear of God and fear? You know, that makes you afraid. Um, that's a great question. Um, I have a little bit. I don't know if I have the answer on that one though. Okay. <laughs> I've heard people say, you know, it's 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 really awe and not fear. But I wonder, like, here, here's one thought. I have no idea if this is on the right track or not. But if what you what what you fear is the thing that you think is the most powerful person in the situation. So say we're most afraid of death, then we say that death is more powerful than God. Or if you're afraid of losing your job, you think that's more powerful than God. So if Fear of God really means that you think that God is the only one who, worthy of occupying that position. I think that might that might fit. So, yeah, great question. Okay. Great job. Thank you. For those of you who don't know, I'm Vicky. I am married to Larry. And I'm a part of Joyland, and I host a Tuesday ladies' tea on Zoom, and we've been doing that since 2020. So um, I am more of an exhorter than I am a teacher, and um, I'm super nervous, so let me get my tears out. <laughs> so when you were saying that, I was like, oh, crap, Lord, okay. Um, but here's my question. <laughs> Um, this is something I've been pondering for about, I don't know, three weeks, maybe a month. And um, this is the question. What if the very thing you are withholding is the very thing that person needs to become who they are? And um, I kind of, I think it was in a teaching or something that I was listening to, and they said, God doesn't withhold anything from us. And um, but you can you can look in the scriptures and you can see in the scriptures that that there are things that um, you know um, with with the Israelites certain things were withheld with 
with individuals. It seems like certain things were withheld. And so um, I want to give the definition of withholding. And it is um, the refusal to give something that is due or desired to keep from, to retain, and to reserve. And so I thought that was an interesting um, definition because in, in church circles, a lot of times withholding is about punishment. I'm not going to give you what you want because you're not a good person. You're in sin. You're disloyal. You're, um, you don't tithe. You don't, you know, whatever it is. And, and you can see it in the church that we do this constantly with people. Our immediate reaction is to withhold approval, to withhold love, to withhold discipline, to withhold all kinds of things simply because they are not performing to the level that we think they should perform, you know? If you look at uh, this definition of withholding, it says to keep from. And when you keep something from somebody, you're actually controlling them. So if you are a control freak, or uh, and, and you're married, let's say, and you don't like it when your wife goes out, you'll control the car. You know, you'll buy one car instead of two cars. And so you'll control and you'll withhold from that, that wife, that spouse, that thing that you get to control her with. Um, the other one is to retain. And this, that means that you actually hold on to that thing. You actually absorb it into yourself. And these can be really horrible things that have happened to you from a person. And so uh, it could be rejection, it could be, you know, uh, physical abuse, it could be hurt, and, and you literally set up walls, okay? How many of you have ever heard this word, retaining walls? Okay, we use that in gardening all the time. What are we, why are we building a retaining wall? It's so all that stuff that's behind it doesn't come into our garden. And so we have this retaining wall that we hold on to, and we withhold all of that urgency in us, all of that emotion in us, all of that sadness in it, and we never get over it. And you can hear it in people all the time. They go back to that day. They go back to that emotion. It's their default setting, and they judge everybody by it. And so they literally are retaining something that keeps them from going forward. And to me, this is, this is one of the saddest things that we can do as believers is to build up a wall and put all that gunk behind it, have this fake garden, and still want to withhold the very thing that we may need in the midst of things for us to go on and become. And so, um, so that's one. And then the other one is to reserve. <laughs> and that means that we're going to hold on to this thing. We're going to tuck it away for that rainy day, you know. And so we have reserved 
army. We have reservists in the military. And they're held for that rainy day. You know, we get invaded. Oh, the reservists are going to come up. You know, they're going to take on the battle. And so if we are going to withhold um, and we're going to reserve something, this is the ammunition we use with each other or with our family members or uh, even societally right now, um, you know, people just shoot <laughs> and go after you if you say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or think the wrong way. And so we hold it in reserve, literally, to win, right? So we're going to win <laughs> because we think that's better than letting go. And so this idea of um, withholding from somebody, um, I want to read uh, Proverbs 3, 27 and 28, and it says, when it is in the power of your hands, don't withhold good from the one to whom it is, is due. And if you think about it, you do not want that to happen to you. If you need something in your direction, you don't want that person to withhold it. You want them to give it to you, whether that's forgiveness, whether that's love, whether that's true conversation, true, you know, face-to-face -face dynamics in your life. And there are, are lots and lots of people who have that power in their hands and they hold on to it because they want to make you perform. They want you to do what they want you to do. And God is not like that. And I do believe that God does not withhold any good thing from us. And um, when Landon was talking, you know, he was he was saying, you know, the, about the breakup that that there was a goodness to that from God. And some of the things that come that we feel like God's withholding from us or that we're withholding from each other or maybe even even you haven't forgiven yourself or you haven't, you know, you're withholding something from yourself. Um, these are things that we have to jump into because the goodness of them is in the relationship to overcome those things, to walk into them, to, to see ourselves complete, to see ourselves whole, okay? And so um, in Psalms 8411, it says, For the Lord is a sun, S-U-N, and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. He withholds no good thing from those who walk blamelessly. And what that means is who they, you walk in completeness, you walk in soundness. Doesn't mean you're not without, you know, your issues. It doesn't mean you're not without sin. It means that you are complete, that you are sound. And so if he's not withholding any good thing from those of us who are complete, those of us who are sound, then how do we release ourselves in the midst of our withholding from other people to other people to allow them 
to come into their completeness, to allow them to come into their soundness. And to me, the way we do that is we, <laughs> we let ourselves off the hook and we let them off the hook. And we walk into this to be able to say, I will not withhold any good thing from you. I will not withhold any good thing from you. And that might be, you know, anything that you can think of. You know, um, when I was talking to people about this, and I didn't talk to a lot of people about it, but, but the first reaction to this idea of withholding was literally, yeah, but God withholds a lot of things from us. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from in that. But if you look at your life from the time that you had your epiphany about God and your salvation in Christ and all of that, you can look back on your life and you can say, huh, he wasn't withholding anything from me. We were on a journey together and we were walking in this thing together he was my son, and he was my shield. And if we come into that place of, of walking in, in that sense of, of being complete and sound, we will not be people who, when somebody rejects us, when somebody says something we don't like, when somebody, quote-unquote, offends us, we will not withhold from them the, the thing that they need. And that may be love. That may be mercy. That may be grace. That may be relationship. And so um, when, when we are in this dynamic of withholding things, we are making ourselves accountable to God in the sense of... of acting as if we are God. And we are not. So I don't have the right to stand here and withhold from you. I don't have the right to withhold love from you. I don't have the right to withhold friendship from you. I don't have the right to withhold um, anything from you because God does not withhold anything from us. If you don't believe that, look at Jesus. Jesus did not withhold anything. Jesus, <laughs> if anything, embraced giving, embraced going after people, embraced the challenge of being fully God and fully man. And so... Um, it's important for us to understand that when Jesus walked this earth and when Jesus died and when Jesus ascended and when Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, he did not withhold anything in the midst of being fully God, fully man. Because he was not... Um, uh, um, what's the word I want to use? He was so complete 
he was so sound that literally he he walked in such a way that we can look and we can go, I can see that with the disciples, you know? So you you have Peter who denies Christ. Jesus rises from the dead, goes to Peter, and he withholds nothing from Peter. He runs to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know, but but no, Peter, do you love me? Yes, 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 I, I love you, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus wasn't withholding anything. Jesus told him the truth and withheld nothing and said, I love you, Peter. Do you love me? Peter's the one that had to answer three times. Jesus was constant. Jesus was complete. You see him with uh, James and John. Uh, You're not of that spirit, boys. We can speak the truth to our brothers and sisters. We don't have to withhold our tongue. We just need to speak the truth in love because that's what Jesus did. So with with John and, and James, I think it's John and James. Andrew, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, the two brothers who are calling down fire. And Jesus is like, <laughs> whoa, boys, no, that's not, that's not the spirit you're of. We can say that to each other. When we have dynamics going on in our lives and we are not being like Jesus, don't withhold yourself from me. Don't withhold yourself from each other. Say, wow, Vicki, you're not of that spirit. Because the goal is for us to be complete. The goal is for us to be sound. The goal is for us to be like Jesus. And so um, in Psalms 40.11, it says, don't withhold your tender mercies from me, Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. I want to be preserved in truth. I want to be a truth giver. I don't want to be a truth withholder. I may know something, and if I don't share it with you, if I don't share it with myself... How am I going to grow? How are you going to grow? How are we going to have this brother and sister relationship to not be withholding um, to protect ourselves? We don't need to protect ourselves. We are family. I don't mean that like, you know, uh, how, how people, you know. I mean, truly, truly, truly. When you're in the body of Christ, you're family. And, and there are things you say in a family that you don't say out there. And it has happened in Joyland where we've had little family spats and things like that. But because we are not withholding our love, we're not withholding our tender mercy, we're not withholding you know, our loving kindness and our truth, we preserve the relationship of family. 
And so I really want you guys to think about what is the thing that you're withholding that you need to let go of in order for the person that you're withholding it from to become who they are. I don't want to be a withholder. I want to be a person who gives. I want to be a person who doesn't hold on to offense. I don't want to hold on to rejection. I don't want to hold on to insecurity. I don't want to hold on to fear. I don't want to hold on to any of that. I want to be a person who withholds no good thing to anybody. And so that's all I have to say. <laughs> so any questions? How do you approach people that you don't know or that you don't have relationship with? Okay. Um, I actually thought about that one. Because we are the light and and because we are people of the good news, when you're approaching a stranger or in a circumstance uh, that is outside of, you know, maybe Christianity or something like that, though I don't really believe that that's the case, but... Um, I believe that as long as you remember that you're the light of the world and that what you have to offer is way better than anything that they're involved in. And so to me, if, you're, if it's a stranger, you should be prepared to withhold nothing from them either. So I'll give you an example. Um, years ago, we had a huge fire out here in Colorado. And this woman had just bought this property, and she had multiple cabins on it. And we were at the grocery store, and she was in front of me. And I had asked the Lord that day, Lord, is there anything I can, can do when I'm out and about so that I can express your love? And she was talking about these guys that had come on her property to build the cabins, and she was just so lonely, and da-da-da-da-da. And I thought, this is amazing. She's just really opening up to me. So she got her groceries, and she headed towards her car. I bought my groceries. I went out outside, and the Lord said, follow her. <laughs> so I got my cart, and I followed her to her car, and she's parked right next to me. And so we stood there for 45 minutes, and she shared her journey through the fire and everything. And, and, and I asked the Lord, I said, what am I doing here, Lord? What is it that you want this person to have? And he said, she is so lonely, Vicki. She, she needs you to stand here and let her talk. So I did. And I, didn't, and I needed to be in other places. <laughs> but I didn't withhold from her because the Lord said, give her your time. And then I asked her, I said, I said, is there anything I can do? I go, I'd love to pray for you. And she said, can you pray for the work to get done fast because... I am freaking out at all these strangers on my property. And I said, sure. And then, you know, I was able just to pray with her, and it was a wonderful experience. And so I think it's that, Richard. I think it's just being open to what the Lord is saying, this is what you give, and not, you know, withholding it and just saying, oh, I'm too busy or I'm too whatever. Go ahead. Have you ever withheld anything from yourself? And do you think that... It's wrong to do that? Um, you know, I have withheld things from myself, and I do believe it's wrong. The reason is, is because when you withhold things from yourself, 
um, a, a lot of times there are things in our lives that control us. And if you're not willing to really look at them with a loving eye, <laughs> you know, it's easy to look in the mirror and go, I hate myself. I hate my body. I hate my life. I hate this. But if, if you can not withhold from yourself and look in the mirror and go, you know what, Lord? Why do I think that about myself? Why do I act this way about myself? Why do I talk this way about myself? Then God can come in and begin to say, well, this is why. And sometimes those things are so hard to look at, and sometimes those things are so hard to deal with because they are real hurts. They are real deep things that have happened in family dynamic or rejection dynamics. Um, Lots of people who get divorced, they go through that kind of thing where they just feel like, why did that happen to me? And, and if you're willing to really look in the mirror and say, God, I don't want to withhold love from myself. I don't want to withhold loving kindness towards myself. And so then you can actually walk that out. We did a thing here at Joyland where we got two mirrors and we put them on pedestals, and, and it said, it said, beloved. And Larry said, you know, God loves you, so I want you to come up, and I want you to look in that mirror and let him see you. And we had people who could not go up to the mirror at all because they did not believe that they were lovable. And they were lovable but they were withholding God's love from themselves. They wouldn't even go to the mirror and look and just ask. And I think, Dave, if we would do that, we would, we would be so much more um, in the beauty of who Christ is in us, and we would be able to express it even more. Good stuff, guys. Thanks for participating. <laughs>